Welcome to the Jack Duff Lee Show, a weekly podcast exploring investing, real estate, the markets, law, technology, and everything in between. Here's your host, Jack Duff Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here with me today. I know it's been a long time since I've done an actual proper episode of the Jack Duffley Show. I apologize. I'm very busy with finishing up law school and also ramping up content on the YouTube channel. And I'm also doing some Facebook exclusive videos as well. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. That's my page, which is just my name, Jack Duffley. So facebook.com, I think slash Jack Duffley is all you need to type in and you can get to that page and be sure to hit the like button there. And as always, I'd like to ask everyone if you haven't already to leave a five-star review on itunes if you happen to like this podcast since that will help the show to get out to more people so more people can enjoy this content and more like-minded folks who are interested in finance topics and topics around the finance area could actually get into it as well without further ado let's get into today's episode so with me today is trey robrock he is a fellow youtuber and serial entrepreneur of sorts. Um, he has a successful startup that he helped found in GreenBits. We'll certainly be talking a lot about that on this show. Uh, but before we get into that, Trey, if you want to let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself and I guess how you got here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I am generally just uh, just an on- entrepreneur, YouTuber, I guess. I don't know when you can call yourself a YouTuber, but I spend a lot of time in my day doing YouTube stuff. Um, like you said, started a successful startup. I've been in startups pretty much my entire career and love the idea of money, making more money and finance in general. That's a fair take. And I give you permission to call yourself a YouTuber since I <laughs> tried to call myself a YouTuber and you got more subs than me. So I guess that counts if we're using that as a benchmark. Um, but tell us a little bit more about this startup that you're, that you're in now, or I know you're kind of have more of a passive role now, but certainly a big shareholder still. Um, tell us a little bit about what that is, what the company does, and how you got to the point where you're at today as a company. Yeah. So about six or seven years ago, um, the, the co-founder of the company I started my career with, um, who also now just so happens to be my, my brother-in-law. No, not brother-in-law. It's my wife's cousin. Met my wife through that job. But anyways, him and I uh, were trying to find something new to start and we landed on the cannabis space of all places. Um, so we started a, a software company that was building point of sale software for the legal cannabis industry. We launched alongside Washington State's recreational market back in uh, 2014, I believe it was. July of 2014, if I remember right. Um and just grew it from there. And it was uh, it was a crazy ride. We at our peak, we were like 100 employees across across two offices. Um, and it was really insane. I was the CTO of the company. So I ran all of its all of its technical side. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. I haven't been there for about a year and a half now. I left there a while back to kind of let things go without me and see what ne- was next for me. So what is next? Do you have any idea? Certainly have some sort of goal in mind, I'm sure. What what made that decision happen? Yeah, um, I got into like a, a bit of a weird, weirdish headspace, I think. Um, you know, I had had a long time goal of becoming CTO of a startup by the time I was 30 and I had achieved that. And then the next five years or so was just entirely heads down on actually getting that startup to be something of a success. Um, and then after that, I didn't really have like any clear clear goals past that. So I think I kind of stumbled in slight, like a slightly weird headspace. 
Um, I started playing a, a lot around with YouTube. This is where, when I started a lot of my YouTube things, um, doing like random daily vlogs and stuff like that. Uh, and just trying to figure out where I was going. And I think part of me felt I needed to step away to even figure out what that was going to look like, which I think was true and, and worked out pretty well. What, what the next thing is, is kind of a bunch of things. Um, so I'm digging real deep into real estate investing, I'm starting to build out businesses around that, even working on a couple of software things related to it. Uh, I work with one or two startups sort of helping do product development and ad advice and things like that there. Um, also always on the lookout for another startup idea. And of course, YouTube is probably my like number number two or number three thing that I spend time on in a day. And you, you could definitely call it the YouTube channel a startup in itself. But could you take me yeah. back to when you were at GreenBits, the, the startup that you left, you said a year and a half ago. Um, could you take me through kind of a day in the life of trying to build that company and technically still building it? It's a young company by, uh, by relative standards. Um, what did a day in the life of Trey Robrock look like when he was in the middle of this startup? Yeah. So day in life changed a lot from day one to, you know, the end of the five or six years early on, you know, it was just, just three to five of us in total. And we just were getting together and building the thing and talking to customers all the time. And so it was just like heads down building things. As we started to grow the the product and engineering team, I spent a lot more time learning about learning about management and how to manage people, especially people with many differing personalities and across different locations and backgrounds and cultures. And that was, it was quite the learning experience for me. So a lot of my days there, and you can, you can see sort of some of the progression actually in a lot of my vlogs from the early, early days, which I refuse to take down um, where I would just be meeting after meeting after meeting, lots and lots of hiring and interviews. Um, so like my days were very, very, talking with people and meeting heavy towards the end. Was there a particular challenge that you consistently faced that you were always trying to overcome? Maybe you did eventually overcome it, but was there like a main challenge you were always focusing on? Yeah, my personality. <laughs> um, elaborate, like I, I, please. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've never naturally been like a, a people person and I'm very, uh, I tend to be very blunt and can be abrasive and that's very difficult in a uh, in a manager position so learning a uh, book that was really impactful for me was um radical candor which I, I think gets a bit of a bad bad rap to it but it taught me a lot about empathy and learning about empathy and what it is and how to understand it and how to learn it and how to use it uh, and that i think made a big impact uh, probably too little too late in that situation but it's definitely had a big impact on me going forward and could you tell tell me a little bit more about that book? I'm actually not familiar with Radical Candor. Uh, who wrote it and what's it about exactly? Uh, Cheryl, uh, the Facebook. Uh, oh, Cheryl right. Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. Um, yeah. I can't. Her name's like slipping me right now, but it's Radical Candor. It's a, it's a big book in the, uh, in the startup space. And I say it kind of got a bad rap because a lot of people use Radical Candor as an excuse to just be mean which is very much not what the book is about. Um, it kind of talks about the different personality types, not, not like a, you know, one of those personality type tests, but like a varying quadrant from like right. just 
complete, complete aggressive, no empathy side to the other side, which is so empathetic. It's, it's not even, it's not even empathy anymore. It's just sympathy and won't speak your mind. And then trying to figure out how to get in the balance there, like having empathy and being able to be direct and honest by using empathy uh, in your conversations, which was probably the, the biggest thing that I took away from it was learning how to have, how to have those direct conversations, but, but see it from the other side. So that was the big thing that was a challenge for you consistently is, was trying to approach, approach your team essentially. And obviously keep people on board and being approachable at the same time while also being firm and direct, which is never ending balancing act. But if that was your biggest challenge, what was kind of the, your biggest um, forte, your, your biggest trait that you brought to the team that you just loved doing and really were able to provide a ton of value up front while you were learning these other skills. And that's a, that's a hard one. Nothing felt like it was easy. Um, you know, I'm, I think I'm pretty, pretty good and pragmatic product engineer, which I brought that um, and building out the initial product. Um, and I think we built something with a pretty good base to it. Um, I think one of, one of my strengths in this business particularly was my, was my accounting sort of knowledge and business background. Uh, I went to, I went to college for business. Um, so I, I know a bit about that and I've, always been interested in it and i think like that mixed with the product and engineering development is always probably one of, been one of my biggest strengths but like i said when you're starting a, a startup like this nothing really seems easy sure so it's hard how, to really say i should also ask how big was the team as it was it a larger team i'm assuming it was kind of smaller at least at the start yeah so we grew the company from three people it was me um uh, my friend andrew Ben, um, who was the co-founder of the company before, uh, we grew it from three to, I think we peaked out at like 105 or something like wow. that. How rapid was that rise? That had to be intimidating at some point, if it's still not intimidating. Yeah, we actually, we stayed very small for the first like two to three years. So like our engineering team, well, the whole company was like eight, maybe wow. two, two and a half years in. And then from there, it, it like ramped up really quickly. We grew really heavy on the sales and support and onboarding side of things. So that was mostly in Portland, like our customer service division effectively. Um, that was more than half the company. Um, our product and engineering grew, grew less rapidly, but we did end up getting to be like 20 to 30 people on the engineering team, which was, you know, a large, large team to be running. And in the cannabis space specifically, there's a lot of state-to-state -state issues, clearly, and um, that, that's been a rapid change in itself. Was it kind of growing with with states allowing it? So as more states were added into this union of allowing cannabis, um, was your sales team growing with that? Or was it all strictly very regional in regions you were already in before more states started adding it? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, as, as more states added, we grew more, you know, our our strength and the the real like benefit our product provides is is we sort of automate all the uniqueness of the various states and their regulatory systems so the fact that they're all different is actually really good for us um so like we kind of managed a lot of the, those things so as states came online we'd have to learn about all those things understand the nuances of selling into those stores 
like for example, in Washington, it's not legal to sell anything by weight. Like you can't go and buy 1.73 grams, for example, but in Oregon, the state right next door, you can. So like we have to build a product that doesn't let them do the things that are illegal. It's the same, it's the same product across everything, but then kind of keeps the retailer protected. And then our sales team needs to understand these nuances to be able to answer the questions that they have. Onboarding needs to know how to set up all of the all of the systems so that they get configured correctly. Support needs to know how to answer the questions. Like it was uh, scaling was a nightmare because of these differences, but it was also the value we provided. I'd imagine you'd have a lot of legal compliance in there too. So how'd you navigate that? Um, we actually didn't really have any. Really, um, we had we had very little to no um, legal liability. Um, because it was all in the license holder, which was the customer. Oh, I you see. Know, we obviously didn't, you know, play things fast and loose and we're like, well, it's all up to them. You know, we, <laughs> we did everything we could. When I did leave, we did have one or two people doing sort of uh, legal analysis, but most of that was like, I spent a lot of time. I read through every single word of the Washington state um, law that went into effect to understand that when we first launched so a lot of it was me and Ben just understanding all of the various states. And then like most of the states copy each other on bits and pieces and they just right. assemble them in different pieces. So it's kind of like Legos, you know, like <laughs> you've seen this one thing in this one state and it looks pretty much the same as this in the other state, but he's, they have two other Legos attached to it also. Yes. Legal Legos. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, states do copy each other a lot. So surely you had some sort of bump in the road outside of like, personal challenges you might have been facing that everyone's going to face at some point. Did the company ever face like kind of a crisis early on while you're trying to grow that you had to address? And if so, how'd you address it? Yep. Um, we, we reached a point that I think a lot of startups reach where we were trying to grow faster than we could maintain. Um, so we started to run into a lot of errors and things like that on reporting to the state governments while also trying to continue to push forward and you know, I think a, a large amount of overconfidence, um, especially on, on my side, on the product side and in being able to handle that, um, that severely affected our, our growth um, and something that, that like the team still works on, on getting better at today. And it's, it's sort of the age old question of fixing bugs versus building new things. Um, and that was a real challenge there. Um, led to a decent number of stability issues that we spent a long time hammering out and sort of pulling things back and getting on top of and pushing forward from there. But that was a rough like year or two, probably. So it sounds like the solution was to uh, kind of scale back on the throttle and and tighten up in a way. Am I characterizing that correctly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to, you know, you can only, you can roll, only run as fast as your shoes can hold you. Course. is a horrible analogy but you know if your <laughs> shoes are falling apart you can't run very fast and if you keep trying to run it'll fall apart more um and that's very much the situation we're in so we had, we had to slow down our run to fix our shoes <laughs> to continue the horrible analogy on a similar analogy is like with running on a treadmill and you're turning mm -hmm. up the treadmill really really fast and you might land on your face if you go too fast yep. and so so maybe upgrading yeah, exactly. your legs yep. to run faster i don't know <laughs> still kind of cheesy but um so now that you're not 
in the in the we <laughs> wow this is a really really uh oh the whole in, the whole industry is full of just amazing puns i yeah. mean it's a real budding industry yeah it, yeah it is and now that you're no longer in the weeds with it <laughs> um you mentioned that you're trying to figure out what's next you're working on this youtube channel um what's your goal with that is this some sort of parlay into another startup do you have any anything like on kind of your short term to medium term radar yeah, so the two the two things that are definitively moving forward with me right now are the real estate business and the YouTube channel. Um, I really enjoy the YouTube channel a lot in uh, providing providing sort of unique opinions on finance there. Um, you know, like startup and angel investing are not something most people are very familiar with. And then just in general, I think like there's a there's a high level of risk intolerance in finance that I'd like to sort of push on the other side of, maybe we can land in a nice balance. Um, so that that's one big thing that I really spend a lot of time on and thinking about and trying to grow. Uh, also just YouTube in general is a fascinating platform to try and learn how to grow there. It's like a big game. Um, and then the real estate side of things, you know, I, I want to grow that pretty large. We're closing on our second property now. Um, 2021 goals are to have five single family homes and one vacation rental in Florida by the end of the year and just continue growing that. And then I'm constantly on the lookout for either companies that I can like be a large investor slash part owner in an advisor or an idea that I can found myself. Yeah. We talked about, uh, at least on your real estate portfolio, then your portfolio with your investment in your startup and others, um, back on my YouTube channel while we each uh, looked at each other's portfolios and did kind of a commentary on our respective channels. So go check that out if you guys haven't already um, on our both on our YouTube channels. Our YouTube channels are just our names, so easy to find. Um, so is your longer term strategy then to have a portfolio of a ton of different angel investments and startups? Is it a, to have a bunch of real estate or is it just kind of a, a medley of all of those things and you're trying to balance it in some way? Yeah, it's kind of all those things. Um, you know, though my sort of in investment strategy is is invest my time and money in the things that I'm really passionate about and can have a good return. And right now, that's that's real estate and startups that I care the most about. Um, so angel investing is something very interesting to me. Um, I really like the idea of being able to help other fellow entrepreneurs like navigate their way through through growing a startup and sort of maybe hopefully avoiding some of the problems that we ran into. Um, so that's very interesting to me. It's also, you know, incredibly lucrative. Uh, it's also very risky, but that's doesn't, it's not a problem for me. You know, I have, I have a, I have a high risk tolerance and like, they're all calculated risks, you know? Of course. Um, I think I just have a higher risk tolerance in general than the average person. And then real estate is, I don't know. I think that's just a fascinating business too. And I, I definitely approach that from a sort of big business mindset. Like I don't intend that to be like 10, 20 properties and we're done. Like I intend that to be a lot more. I don't even know how many, but sure. Grow that basically as big as we possibly can. You've got your rental portfolio that you've started now and you're clearly well on your way to having many more properties. Um, you have your startup investments, you're looking for more investments, you have your YouTube channel. How do you stay on task? Like, what does your daily routine look like in trying to manage all these things and stay on focus? Because I'm sure that's becoming a bigger challenge because you, you have more, yeah. more tasks all going on at once. So how do you keep it all organized? 
I am one of those people that does better with a lot of different things going on. Um, Gary V always says this, uh, well, he's, he says this thing in one of his talks that I, I always really, uh, really clicked with. He's like, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, there's a lot of people that would rather like they would juggle three balls and they never drop any. And Gary's like, I'm one of those people that would rather have like 17 balls in the air and be okay dropping five of them. Um, and that's very much where I'm at is I would rather have a, like too many things going on and drop a few. Uh, and that definitely happens on a day-to-day basis with me. You know, there's, I, I mean, I work on like three or four different consulting projects, the real estate business, YouTube, my main uh, salary job and like one or two side projects in a day, every, pretty much every day. So like some of those will drop. There's some weeks where I won't work on any of those consulting gigs and then they get a little behind and maybe I drop them, maybe I don't. Um, so my daily routine is not super structured. There's just, uh, I'm very passion driven, which sounds really lame, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. Yeah, you know, you're, I, uh, you're, you're filling it up to the max and in that way, you always know you're doing basically the most you can because yeah and i'm, I'm not one of those people that works very well off of a to-do list i do them i do them sometimes um just to make sure i get certain things done like i have a pretty pretty decent like content calendar and to-do list for the youtube sure. because like i have deadlines that i want to meet there um but it, the the want word there is is key like if i felt <laughs> yeah. like i had to meet it but i didn't want to i just would stop doing it that's where you get those big gaps in my channel history it's like i just wasn't passionate about it anymore. So I stopped doing it. So like I typically wake up around five o'clock every day. I come downstairs, just the basement where my office is here. Um, and I work until about seven. Um, some days that's just like catching up on a bunch of YouTube, which for the most part, I consider research into, into my YouTube channel or real estate investing or other investing, things like that. Or I'll be working on another project. Sometimes I'll record a YouTube video, though I haven't been able to figure out how to get my energy up that early in the morning to make a good YouTube video. Uh, and then I'll hang out with my kids from seven to eight. And then at eight o'clock, I get back to work. Uh, most of like the first big chunk of the day is focusing on my salary job, um, getting, you know, getting all the stuff done for that that I need to get done. And then it's kind of just like wherever, wherever I'm most interested that day I land sometimes like that'll be working on this real estate software that I don't even know if it'll turn into a thing. Sometimes that'll be working on one of my contract projects. It's really like just where I'm most excited to work. And then I just jump between things like that. So it's almost like part of the day is the earlier part of the day is going to be a lot more structured. And then from there you're flexible based on whatever's going on. I, I think that makes a lot of sense given how much you're juggling and you ultimately will not be able to fit everything. I always make sure my salary job comes in very early sure. because it's right. the thing I want to do the least. And <laughs> if I push it towards the end, I just won't do it. That's kind of where I'm at with, I'm wrapping up law school as we've talked about on your podcast, actually just a few days ago. So check out the financial literates. That's uh, Trey's podcast that he does with his, uh, one of his business buddies, Justin, um, another YouTuber. Uh, so go check that one out. But yeah, same thing for me with, um, uh, with law school. It's like, man, I don't want to do this at the end of the day when I, there's all these other things that I want to do that I've thought about through the day. 
while my mind's clear in the morning, I really want to jump as I think Mark Cuban puts it, you want to jump on the frog and, and just, yep. just finish it quickly. Um, as opposed to letting it linger through the day as your mind becomes less focused and you have other tasks to do. So I, I, I can resonate with that for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then Trey, one question I like to ask every single one of my guests is if you have a book recommendation, it can be in any genre. It doesn't have to be business related, but if you had any book recommendation that you could give, I know you already mentioned radical candor. If it happens to be that one, then great. Uh, but if there's another one you'd want to recommend, uh, why don't you let us know now? Yeah. Um, radical candor is a good one. Um, the books that I most commonly recommend, um, the four hour work week, rich dad, poor dad, those were two of the most impactful books for me. Um, sort of opening my eyes to this world of finance and financial independence. Um, and I think there's some really great things in there. Um, for our work week teaches a lot about automation and how valuable your time is. Um, rich dad, poor dad taught me a lot about the mindset of sort of shifting your thinking from how can I to, or, uh, you know, from can I to how could I? Right. Um, and that's a very, very big mindset shift that you, that was really impactful. And then for finance nerds, um, this is the one I mentioned to you last night, uh, was the Wealth Management Index. Very good book for anyone that's really interested in finance. It's pretty dense, but it talks about things from leveraging credit lines to smooth out cash flow to asset protection and insurance. And it's, it goes through all of the aspects of wealth management, which was really, really interesting read. And I'll, I'll probably be reading it again here soon now that I've had like six months to a year to learn more from the last time I read it. Uh, and I think I'll, I'll pick out a lot more interesting pieces from it. Those are the best books that you can return to once you have a few more experiences and all of a sudden yeah. they provide a new level of value. Um, I'll provide a link to all of those books in the description if you guys want to check those out. Uh, but lastly, Trey, if our listeners want to get in talk, uh, get in contact with you or learn more about you, where can they find you? My website's probably the best central place to go. It's just T-R-O-B-R-O-C-K.com, trobrock.com. It's got a link to my to my everything. Um, YouTube is where I post the most stuff. Twitter's where I conversate the most. So those are probably the two best places to reach me. Um, so that's probably the best place to go. All right. And then with that, Trey, thank you very much for coming onto the show. It's been a pleasure doing all this content with you over the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure we'll have much more in, in the future. But yeah. But again, yeah, thanks very much. And until next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Jack Duffley Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any new episodes. For more content on personal finance, real estate, and other topics, check out jackduffley.com.